1: Their aim is to educate and entertain ears, Scott and
0: Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome guys and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live right above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And today we are going to talk about tools that may be able to save your dog's life and the title of this episode, what if one tool could actually save your dog's life. But first we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. (coughs) Ooh, the pig sounds good. (laughs)
1: La la <laughs>
0: Okay. So my quirky tip today is if you guys have not seen Ivan Balabanov's most recent podcast release or listened to it, but I really like it as a visual episode, go to his YouTube page, check it out. He did an hour presentation on dog training. It was very well put together. It was very well thought out, and um, we're just soaking it up. We're really he does have a lot
1: of He has a lot of slides, so you, you want yeah. to see it on YouTube yeah. or Facebook rather than listening to the He touches on a lot of
0: different topics. It is a uh, must-watch if you are in the dog industry. All right, so you wanted to talk about this, and um, you kind of wanted... Scott wanted to focus on the StarMock Plastic Pinch Colors, and we certainly are, but then we're going to talk about some other tools as well. And really, just explain your experience working with these.
1: Well, what I want to... do um bring up is that this is a $10 item it's a $10 plastic uh, prong collar or pinch collar that um, is incredibly effective and it's much more user-friendly and um, more accepted by my clients when I ask them they have a dog that's pulling terribly they've done a lot of different types of training and they're not able to get a handle on a, a particular behavior and I say well have you tried a prong collar? And more often than not, they'll say, they even have one. Yeah, yeah, we just don't like it. And they have, you know, a conventional metal metal. prong collar that they're not not comfortable with it. They don't like what it looks like. And I'll pull this out and they'll say, oh, well, that's not like what we have. And they feel it and they say, okay, that's not too harsh. And I say, let's give it a shot. And if you use this tool with a little bit of skill... Uh, you can make huge progress with most dogs, probably 75% yeah. of the dogs I work with. That's all we need. And we can get a handle on all kinds of behaviors. And the people go walking happily ever after down the street with their dog.
0: Yeah. And it is a good point that Scott brings up. I mean, literally for a price point, um, the larges they come in large, which are a little bit uh, lar- like wider prongs and then smalls. This is a small right now. Um, it's the star mark plastic pinch collar. You can order it on Amazon. And Scott's not even using these on evals for the most part. He's using flat collars or ruffwear, martingale collars. But if we go into training sessions, he's often putting these on his client dogs. And we have fixed reactivity. We have fixed so many things that have been huge, you know, m- momentous issues for people just with this tool. So if you do order one, it comes with the l- plastic pinch itself. And it also comes with this slip collar. And everyone's always very confused why this is included in the package. Most people just
1: discard it Yeah, they just think,
0: oh, well, this I don't need this. It's not going to help me.
1: But I will say, I know you're going to detail it. If you look on the back of the packaging... <laughs>
0: gives you some instruction. I'm
1: guilty of never reading directions. <laughs> but you open this up. You don't know what that's for. You throw it away and you put this on your dog. But actually... You want to use them both in conjunction with each other.
0: Yes, because this is only plastic. So if for some reason the dog were to lunge or you were to malfunction putting it on, it's much easier these days than it used to be. You used to have to adjust these plastic things to take them on and off. And sidebar, if you have to adjust the sizing of it and it's cold weather, these will snap. So try to have them acclimate to room temperature first or you're going to start breaking pieces of this. But just putting it on and off, there's this simple clip. And having the slip collar attached to your dog's leash, also attaching the leash to both things ensures that you'll never have a loose dog on the street. But I will say, I mean, after seeing Scott work for the past 12 years in New England, Scott's been using these. These were around in California, right? They've yes. been around forever. Scott has literally helped hundreds of dogs with just this tool. And it's not that dogs have to be screaming and everything else, but when they're you know going crazy and being reactive on leash, he's taught them loose leash walking through this tool. And it literally has saved people hundreds of hours of consternation, maybe tons of money on medication, uh, animal behaviorist consults, everything else. So consider this, you guys, if if you're getting a lot of pushback, and this is different depending on where you live in this country right now, um, but if you're getting a lot of pushback from you know people in your community, maybe from the veterinary community, from anything else, if there's a simple plastic collar that you can put on your dog that can help your dog live its life and not have to be behaviorally euthanized for some BS behavior... Maybe we should consider it. We're really into saving dogs' lives and helping dogs up here on the show, if you've been tuning in before.
1: I will say it happens fairly often where people will tell me that they were instructed never to have anything on the dog's neck because it's going to damage their trachea, and they're going to have a medical issue from it. And I explain to them that a trained dog will not be pulling, will not be making any pressure on the trachea. If your dog has no training, I'd rather see the dog actually on a harness than choking itself pulling everywhere it goes and then de- actually developing a problem. Yeah. So dogs that have never had anything on their neck, usually the training goes much easier than dogs that have a history of just dragging the people around by the by the neck.
0: Yeah, completely. And you know, it to each their own. It's your own dog and if you have no issues, we're not advising that you do something that you're opposed to. One of the questions I prompted for this show is Who should dog owners trust above all else? And what should they trust above all else when it comes to training their own dogs? And that should be your intuition, you guys. If something feels wrong to you intuitively or ethically or whatever else, you should be making your own decisions for your dogs. No one else should be making those decisions for you. However, if you're struggling, if you've tried a bunch of things, if you're just banging your head against the wall, if you actually can't take your dog out in public anymore, out on walks, out on hikes, anything else... There are a lot of tools out there that may really help you, and they are not as you know severely abusive as many people will tell you they are. Yeah,
1: and if you're ethically opposed to these tools, then absolutely do not use them. We're yes. not trying to talk anybody into this that is ethically opposed to using any type of a compulsive tool on the dog. But if you're not using it because your vet made you feel guilty, people on the street are looking at you and wincing and saying, you're terrible, you got to get over that because- yeah. These tools are being sold in big box uh, dog trainings, not dog training, but Petco's, these type of places. So they're a a legal option. They're effective when used right. They're there for you to help get control of your dog. Dogs that are out of control are making all of us look bad and dogs are getting put to sleep and getting put back into shelters because of behavioral problems and there's no need for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if your dog is out to get other dogs out on the street and you know, it's gotten into fights or it's interrupting other people on their walk. Like you need to realize what the footprint of you and your dog being out in the world m- makes and you know what that means. And if your dog is disruptive, it is your responsibility to get your dog under control. And if your only way of getting your dog under control is no longer taking your dog out and about, that's not a great quality of life for your dog. So we're really encouraging you guys to kind of expand where you're looking, maybe look at some other trainers with some other toolboxes and get the help you need. And I I'm sure when a lot of you read the title of this episode, but what if one tool could save your dog's lives? you thought we were going to head to e-collars. And we can touch on e-collars. There's proposed legislation right now in New York to ban e-collars right now. There's a lot going on in America with dog training. And that is another tool that you could consider. But literally, for $10 without a ton of training, without a lot of stuff, a lot of people have made a lot of progress with just the plastic pinch collar from Starmark. So we wanted to start by touching on that. Do you have yeah. anything else to say about these? Well,
1: that's the only reason I brought it up is because it's so inexpensive. Yeah. And it can be so effective when used correctly. And it's something that you probably could learn how to use it off a YouTube video. There is some feel and some, you know, every dog is different. And quite often, uh, a lot of these dogs, that they have a high pain tolerance because they were bred to have a high pain tolerance. These make the best pet dogs. A dog with a high pain tolerance is not going to bite a kid when the yeah. kid steps on their foot. When a four-year-old grabs a dog by the ear with a high pain tolerance... They just let their head get pulled towards the kid. They don't turn around and grab them with their mouth. So the dogs that are more nervy, a little more reactive, uh, the herders, they're not going to tolerate that. You know, they're just going to turn and snap, not even giving it a second thought. And um, so these dogs that are more bulletproof need to be, you need to be sometimes or quite often stronger little with firmer. the pinch collar. Little firmer. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I, and I would always start with this. And if the dog is super strong and I'm barely able to make headway with the dog, let alone the owner, then I will go to the next level, which will be the metal pinch collar. Yeah, the Herm
0: Springer. And if you guys do own a Herm Springer, one thing I like about these is I was talking about the putting them on and off with the clip. If you do own a Herm Springer and you have a lot of problems with disconnecting the collar, I've done it as a quirky tip before, but Katie's Buckles is a local New England company. She makes awesome, awesome products, and it actually saves you the whole, like, you know, consternation of undoing the metal prongs and everything and it's just a little buckle that you can put them well, on. So if you need help with using that tool for yourself, you can check that out.
1: And now Herm Springer has made a,
0: a similar co- thing. a comparable
1: yeah. clip to put in the middle of the collar that I'm just still, buckles and unbuckles. I'm still
0: Katie's buckle strong. She sells them in Kurragon, yeah. black and chrome. All right, we're gonna go to break super quick and when we get back, we're gonna talk about more about tools that can save your dog's life.
1: Wanna keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog podcast, like me and Murphy here then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to The Madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog
0: Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, so tools that could save your dog's lives. If you live in an apartment, this is becoming very common right now. Um, A lot of people are living in like Dover or Portsmouth or Salem, and they're living in these apartments and there's like these kind of like micro cities near them. So it almost doesn't even mean that you have to have a car. And a lot of these places are dog friendly. That is awesome. We're all about helping train dogs in New England, having more places for people to live with their dogs and everything else. However, sometimes what happens in those situations is you get a very noisy dog in the apartment and now all of a sudden the neighbors are complaining and now all of a sudden you may lose your housing. Well, depending on your situation, if it's the dog or your housing, frequently people will say, this dog isn't right for me, and either give their dog to someone else or return their dog to the shelter for noise. If you can put a bark collar on your dog to minimize noise in an apartment type of setting and also to lower their stress levels so they're not howling and barking all day when you're gone, and that saves your dog from needing to leave your home I think that that is a viable thing to consider. So, we're going to take the plastic prong and extend it to some other products out there because there are a lot of good products out there that can help dogs and there's a lot of propaganda against them.
1: Yeah, and I would say with the bark collar, I would certainly go with electric. I would use a Garmin uh, as a first choice. Yes, the bark limiter limiter is our go
0: to. We've said that a million times.
1: And, um, you know, introduce it to the dog when you don't need it, but when you're there to supervise it. and um,
0: Or when you pretend leave. Like yeah, maybe the you're dog, there, you go out the door for five minutes. Yeah, and, you're,
1: and you're working the dog through this um, learning phase, which is relatively short, but sometimes can be more... It's harder on the owner than the dog itself. They hear the dog yelp. They're like, oh my God, the dog is hurting. But the thing is, a dog that howls and barks and cries and scratches all day long is having way more stress <laughs> than a dog that got corrected for 30 seconds and now just relaxes and realizes, I better not howl anymore because that's not pleasant for me. And then they just go to sleep.
0: So a bark collar is a very viable option for that, you guys. This is happening quite frequently now with a lot of dogs in a building and all those dogs have to get along and the neighbors can't complain. Invisible fences, good one to bring up. If you have a dog that is constantly taking off, There are some neighborhoods now in this country that will not allow you to put fences up. They're very hoity-toity. We don't like the look of fences. We can't have fences, everything else. Mm -hmm. If you have a dog who either is pulling out of your hands on leash or constantly chasing deer and running away from your property, an invisible fence is a viable option that could save your dog's life from getting into a very serious fight with another dog, from getting hit by a car to being lost, a lot of different things. So that is something to consider. There's a lot of different companies out there, we're not going to delve deep into that right now. The is it the halo collar that you can create your own invisible fence with?
1: Yes, I don't have direct yeah. experience yeah, with that. Yeah, but there's but.
0: there's a lot of different companies. You guys will have to research that on your own. That is a very viable thing. And people that are just very cavalier about like, oh yeah, my dog runs out the door. He runs down the street. He normally goes to the neighbor's house. And that's happened, you know, a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times. You guys are lucky. You guys are lucky people, okay? Having a dog that gets hit by a car and he gets severely injured or killed is very, very upsetting. So be conscious of these things. If you're having an issue like that, you may have to implement a tool for your dog's safety because it is important to us that we keep dogs alive and that we enjoy living with them. That's part of why we own dogs. And
1: you want to be a good neighbor. You may not care that your dog runs off the property and goes and visits the neighbor's dog every afternoon. They may not like your dog running into the yard with their four-year-old kid and the two dogs are running around in the yard. Uh, They shouldn't have to deal with that. Their dog is staying in that yard. You should be keeping your dog in your yard.
0: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Neighborly, neighborly. (laughs) Whether you're in an apartment or a house or whatever you are, being neighborly is important. Um, So yeah, we do not personally use invisible fences. That is not something that I don't think we'd ever do. We often live when we have openings and everything where our dogs can run, but we have control of our dogs, and our dogs are listening to us because they have a recall. If well, you do not have a good recall on your dog and you're just letting your dog out to go, an invisible fence maybe where it's at for you. Yeah.
1: One of the reasons that I, I don't like the invisible fence is because I don't want my dog to get overstimulated in its own property by barking or yeah. at other barrier, people, places, wildlife. Yeah. Wild, the thing about an invisible fence is that other dogs can come onto your yard and mess with your dog and then run away and your dog might want to chase them and can't and it can be a problem that way so what we typically do is like we are we're on a big piece of property right now we make a a little dog yard so we can let dogs out in the morning unsupervised and they can go potty and pee and then come in then we have our uh unfenced big property where we can go out with our dogs and hang out for two or three hours but they're supervised by us. Yeah, they don't have a desire to run away because they've never experienced that in their life. We don't allow them to run away, but they also want to be with us. So yeah. we can sit outside. I can have a cigar. Do any Jess can do a, a one of her word searches, and our dogs are just hanging out.
0: Yeah, they're just out and, and about if, moseying. If, or if, if we want to play ball, exercise them. Yeah. Of course, they're out of this leashed yard. And if you want to delve a little deeper into the crazy that is Jess, this yard that Scott talks about. Any time that we have. Our dogs in their own yard, it's only accessible to our own dogs. The training dogs I'll still take out on leash or in the past we've had a previous separate yard because I don't really like cross-contamination. Our dogs are, I'm not concerned about, but whatever else is coming in there, I don't want to be included and we wouldn't leave pet dogs unsupervised in that yard. So mm-hmm. I wanted to say that as an and aside. And we also
1: have not only the, the, the fencing, but then we have a screen. Yeah. There's something to... So visual blockage. Visual blockage. So they can't see out and other animals can't see in. So that just to keep the stimulation low, we don't want a dog out there just barking and barking at looking at a bird or a squirrel that's on the other side of that fence. We're
0: not real big on rehearsals of BS behavior. All right, let's talk e-collars real quick as well. So if you, uh, one question that I um, proposed was who are the people trying to ban tools in North America? My answer to that would right now would be animal rights activists. What would you say? Who would you think those groups of people are? I mean,
1: that's the, it's not dog trainers that are trying to ban these tools, it's yeah. People that I think are ethically opposed to the tools. Uh, they don't want to see them on, so they've, they're coming up with every excuse and angle and, and scientific data that they've accumulated to fight to get these things eliminated from the public.
0: Yeah, and I would urge you guys, if you are anti-e-collar or you're jumping on this bandwagon or anything else, if you have not felt a Dogtra, we use Dogtra 200Cs with our client dogs. If you have not felt a dog tra from zero to 20 on your hand, I would urge you to go spend under $200 on Amazon order one to your home. If you'd like to, you could try it on and then just mail it right back to Amazon and return it. Please feel these levels. Scott and I are frequently not working dogs above 20. When we're having owners feel the collars on the return, frequently the owners don't even feel any sensation until above 20. Most people say it feels like a TENS unit. It feels like an e-STEM. I'm not trying to talk y'all into e-collars, but if you're actually trying to ban a tool and you have no knowledge of it, please educate yourself. It's less than $200 order one to your house, and then ship it back to Amazon. Tools that e-collars could help save your dog's life with. Car chasing, really, 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 really big one. Whether you are walking a dog on a leash, or your dog is running out of the yard after cars, or going after delivery trucks, or whatever, there's a huge aversion there that should be created because cars can kill dogs. Rattlesnakes, common situation where there's aversion training towards rattlesnakes, In Maine, we don't have a lot of rattlesnake encounters, but in many other parts of this country, we do.
1: Well, there's porcupines, there's things that Yeah, there's a lot of
0: stuff like that. But rattlesnakes specifically, there's aversion e-collar training with rattlesnakes. E-collars can save dogs' lives. Rattlesnakes aren't very safe for dogs. There are certain situations where just purely aversive, just the tool with a few sessions could really help your dog, much less that you could use it for training and communication and everything else. Please, please, please do not rule anything out. When we are talking life or death, when we are talking thousands of dollars a year on medication, when we are talking hundreds of hours with behaviorists, please do not rule anything out because we want you to be able to live as happily as possible with your dogs for as long as possible. And we want to keep them with us. You guys, we love dogs. We sit up here every week trying to help help you enjoy living with your dogs in a more harmonious way. And there are a lot of things out there that can help you. And there are a lot of people out there who can help you. You just have to point yourself to the right education.
1: And I would say once the dog learns some rules about that you can't chase the fisher cat into the woods or you can't chase the tires of the car, you can give them a lot more freedom Yes, because now they know what the rules are and they can run and play. And you know that you can get them to come back to you when you didn't come back. You go to the beach, we let our dogs off leash at the beach. And if we see a dog that's totally out of control, I'm calling my dog back to me and putting a leash on him and I'm leaving the beach. Yeah. And I don't get all put out that I can't use the beach that day because I know is a potentially a bad situation is going to happen. And my dog is priority one.
0: Yeah. And I'm just going to say as a closing note here, if you guys are seeing a trainer and they are anti-positive reinforcement methods, they're just saying that it doesn't work. Cookies are stupid. Everything else I would look for a more balanced trainer. If you're seeing a purely positive trainer, and they're just talking about how compulsion is the worst thing ever, aversions are going to ruin your dog, your dog's going to sit in the corner and shake, look for more balance, you guys. The best trainers in the world have balance. We have a corgi in right now for boot camp. I reach in to put the leash on the dog, It, it does its fun, crazy herding behavior. I just taught the dog crate games by Susan Garrett because that is the only way I know how as a dog trainer to get this dog to shape a sit when I open the door. I am now able to put a leash on and the dog is able to come out to me and this is going to help the owners as well. So being able to dabble into all the camps is what best serves a dog. So make sure that whoever you're working with, it's not just about bashing another camp or bashing other trainers in the area. It's about helping the dog in any way, shape or form that they can. Okay. We're very... Very, very, very passionate about that.
1: I just want to say, I'm not sure if we're closing here pretty quick, but I was walking through a A Newburyport with a dog on a pinch collar. The dog was being perfect, walking beside me on a loose leash, and this lady looks at me and recoils. She acts like, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, am I too close to you? Like, I thought she had a fear of dogs. And her girlfriend says, oh, no, it's the tool you're using. It's just horrifying and all this stuff. And my answer was, they're not for everyone. Yeah. That's the best answer I can give. Someone comes up and doesn't like what you have. They're not for everyone. If they weren't allowed to be used, they wouldn't be sold in stores all over. I would say that to my vet. If they said you shouldn't be using that, So they're not for everyone. They work well for me and my dog. Yeah. And good luck with you and your dog. I hope you found the perfect tools for you guys. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's and, it.
0: And again, we brought it up. What should dog owners trust above all else when it comes to their own dogs? Your intuition. If you are that person in Newburyport and that's how you feel, go with your intuition, please. But help your dogs along the way and do not exclude anything, especially when their lives are on the line. And I cannot say that strongly enough. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We hope that you have an amazing week. Check out that video if you have not seen it yet. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. quirky. Bye, guys.